she makes particular point she makes it uh, she particularly says to make sure that uh, brain welcome to stargazing a stargate gazing podcast i'm your host kathy and i'm your other host mary and every week cookies we discuss an episode of stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Yay! Apparently, I only sent myself the last page of my notes, though, instead of all my notes. So hang on a second. I'll <laughs> go and grab the tablet. Just uh, That's fine. I'll just carry it till the end. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think I've got... Uh, I have, like, the last three sentences of the episode <laughs> worth of notes on, these, on this page. Excellent. So. so, yeah, you can just sure. do your thing. It'll be great. It'll be great. <laughs> Very back. Okay. <laughs> Lost in space. Do, 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 do. Fun assassin killing fun for kicks. I don't remember the rest of the lyrics. Oops. What am I doing? I don't know. What are you doing? I was uh, looking up the lyrics to Fun Assassin because I couldn't remember them and that song's been stuck in my head for like two days. <laughs> I hate that. Yeah. The only thing worse than having a song stuck in your head is a song a song stuck in your head that you don't remember the lyrics to. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. Look me in the eye and lie. I remember that. I don't think I really know that song. Yeah, that it's I don't think it is a well known they might be giants song. <laughs> it is a they might be giants song as of course all songs it is. in my head. I was going to say, I wouldn't expect anything other than a They Write Me Giant song to be stuck in your head. In fact, it looks like they only released it in, like, random places, like, on an EP, a their clock radio, and a couple of podcasts they did. <laughs> so. Excellent. Yeah. It was on. All right. Yeah. If you don't, I mean, you should be up on the Spine Surfs Alone EP from They Might Be Giants. It contains a whopping seven tracks. This is fascinating. <laughs> It is. I love They Might Be Giants, but I <laughs> admittedly am not the expert on them that you are. Anyway, <laughs> it's, it's not important. It's extremely important. Nothing to do with anything that is happening in this moment. I'm going to go get a hair elastic because as soon as I put the curtain down, it's very warm in here. Hold on. With the curtains. Whoa. Oh my God, how do I get out of here? Now that Kathy's away, we can talk about how silly as she is and that she smells. And But the, she has a lot of cute kitties, though, so that's why I keep her around, so that I can go and visit her cats. Mm-hmm. Totally wasn't talking about Kathy while she was gone. Oh, I thought she was back. I guess she's not back. I can keep talking about her. Oh, wait, no, I think she can hear me now, so I'll stop. Kathy? Hello? Hello! Hi. I was definitely not talking about you while you were gone. Oh, good. I was worried about that, so thank you for assuring me that wasn't what was happening. You're welcome. You're very trustworthy in yes. telling me this one specific thing you weren't doing. Yeah. Whew. I am the most trustworthy. You know what? It's time to drink. Yes. <laughs> I go. approve. Yeah. What are you drinking today? I am drinking... The Fat Orange Cat Family Portrait once again, mm-hmm. because that is what is in my refrigerator. Fabulous. I am actually not drinking beer at the moment. I am drinking a vanilla cream cold brew coffee, and it is delicious. Oh, nice. I normally just opt for, for plain black coffee, but I wanted something special today. Anyway, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about Stargate SG-1, surprise, season two. Oh. Episode three, Prisoners, I think. Ooh. I think, was it just Prisoners? It's not The Prisoners, right? I don't know. I don't know. I actually didn't even write down the name, apparently. It's, well, yeah, let's see. SG1, Prisoners, do, do, do. I also wrote season one, episode three on my notes, so I'm really on top of things. <laughs> <laughs> you got the episode number right, so that's good. I did. Okay, yeah. it just says Prisoners. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so we're watching... <laughs> Stargate SG One, Season One. No, <laughs> <laughs> I blame you for that. 
That's fair. We are watch. We have watched. We will be talking about. There we go. We're not watching mm-hmm. it on this episode on this podcast. We will be talking about Stargate SG One Season Two, Episode Three, Prisoners. Yes, we've already watched it. Yes. Now we'll talk about. Yes, it. that's that's how we do it here. We haven't yet yep. talked about it, then watched it. Although we sort we of do. It wouldn't be very interesting. Yeah, because most of the time I don't remember a whole lot about many of these episodes. Yeah. It would not make a very interesting podcast. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> We're on a planet outdoors in a forest. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> the planet is not Earth. The first it does not seem to no, be. The first thing they show us is a gross, huge spider in a web, which I did not appreciate <laughs> because I... There were multiple spiders in it even. I blocked out all the other ones. <laughs> but that first one, ugh. No, thank you. Kathy and spiders is pretty much like me and hagfish, yeah. except that it's way easier to come across a spider than it is a hagfish in your everyday life. That's so true. for the most part, I'm good. <laughs> it's true. And also, to be fair to spiders, they are beautiful. Like, there are a lot of really gorgeous spiders that I can kind of sometimes look at on the internet if there's a picture. <laughs> but, ugh. Fun fact, Kathy started screaming in her car on the highway once when I was in the car with her, and I was like, what the hell is happening? There was a spider in the car, she pulled over, and I had to get rid of it for her. This was a long time ago, but I thought I'd share that That wasn't the only time I freaked out in a car with a spider in it. (laughs) No, but it's the only time I was in the car with you, and then you made me get rid of the spider. Fair. (laughs) You probably don't want to drive with me. (laughs) <laughs> never be in a car with yeah. Kathy when she's driving yeah. moral of this story yes. <laughs> also never be one of the cars around Kathy when there's a spider in her car I've never crashed into anyone else in my avoidance of spiders <laughs> hopefully that will continue to be true yes let's keep that trend going it's been a long time since I've had to freak out about a spider in my car it's true, because you never drive anywhere anyway, which is That's true. since you can just take public transport when there's not a pandemic happening. It is nice, yeah. To most places. Yeah. I just need to stop being lazy. I don't want to... I am way more likely to do something active if it requires zero effort to prepare for it. Yeah. So commuting to work when the I can, weather conditions are not easy is annoying. If I can't just yes. walk out my door in whatever I'm wearing and get on my bike and be fine, I won't do yeah. it. I don't blame you. That didn't used to be true. I used to be like a nutbag who ran in all <laughs> stupid kinds of weather. But I have too. I don't really run a whole lot. It's too much effort now. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to get dressed and go out and prepare. and. Ugh. Anyway. I used to have a lot more patience for it. I used to get bored now. Well, that's annoying. <laughs> so Anyway, so sp- this has a lot to do yeah. with this episode. <laughs> so the team is in a forest. Daniel's making use of that video camera we saw that one time that played a part in the Parallel World episode. Mm. So It's a very foggy forest, too. It is. Yeah. Um, and actually, literally this entire scene and everything that happens in it felt extremely X-Files, including the foggy forest. Yeah. Well, it was probably filmed in the same yeah. Vancouver forest <laughs> that many X-Files episodes were filmed it's in. true. So. <laughs> um... So they've been there a little while and haven't found anything of interest. So Jack is ready to pack it in and head home. Daniel's like, but wait, we've only just begun. Jack isn't willing to entertain Daniel's objections and points out by asking Carter if they've had any radio or chemical trace, radio signals or chemical traces. And she confirms that no, they've had nothing. So they're ready to go. But suddenly... Tilt cuts Jack off, and we hear someone in the distance, and they a man is then stumbling towards them. So Daniel was right. Ha, Jack. <laughs> but, you know, it's not it's not something he needs to gloat over, because this does not go well for all of them. <laughs> it does not. <laughs> the man is asking for help. He's something called Taldor is looking for him, apparently. They don't know what that is. All I could think of was the, the store Caldor. Me too! We I 
was just thinking that, and then it made me think of Bradley's and all these stores that don't exist. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so this man is very, very agitated. He needs help hiding. He says he tells them that if they find him, they will find them too, and that the Taldor are all around them. Jack and company then help the man towards the Stargate. I guess they're going to take him with them. But then we hear a noise. Another noise. <laughs> <laughs> Not the ice in my coffee. <laughs> that was good timing, though. It was. <laughs> intentional. So, <laughs> so we hear another noise, and the, the frightened man says that the Taldor has come for them. And then we get a bright flashing a bright light beam down on them which was very x-files feeling it was <laughs> and then they're transported to a dark room where a light continues to beam down on them which also felt pretty x-files to me do you think i'm spooky the guy they were trying to help kind of starts freaking out and says that Teldor's found them and a voice tells them that they're all prisoners and jack's like and you are Daniel suddenly remembers that Teldor means justice, just in case anyone was wondering. <laughs> he conveniently remembers things at just the right time. Yeah. Or wrong time. <laughs> yeah, just the wrong time. Another voice chimes in and says that you've trespassed on ancient lands. And Jack tries to explain that it was just a mistake and they're explorers from another planet. But the disembodied voice says it doesn't matter because they just helped this bad guy here. And... They say that as a result of that, they're going to share in his crime, which is apparently murder. Oops. Jack tries to explain that the guy just needed help, so they were just trying to help somebody that they thought was in trouble. But the voices are kind of ignoring him. These disembodied voices go through a list of charges of helping a murder and trespassing and carrying weapons on ancient grounds. And the team is like, hang on a second. We didn't mean any harm. We didn't know that we were doing anything wrong. And Sam tries to explain to them that we're only carrying weapons because we're trained to defend ourselves, not because we're planning on attacking or anything like that. And the voice says, well, you're going to be sent through the Stargate. And Daniel's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> but then the voice continues to the prison Hedante. <laughs> oh, Daniel, that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Jack's like, nope, nope. Again, misunderstanding. But the voice says, for the remainder of your lives. And then we're going to credits. That's bad. <laughs> it comes with a free frogut. That's good. The frogut is also cursed. That's bad. <laughs> <gasps> to the prison. That's bad. <laughs> the prison is also cursed. <laughs> That's good. Bad. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> After credits, the team is hurled through the Stargate into a cavernous room along with the murderer dude, and he runs away as soon as the gate closes. They seem to be underground. It, it kind of looked like there were like large tree roots and whatnot around, mm -hmm. which really led to, and it you know seems like cavey and yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jack's like this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. There are other people gathered around the gate to greet these new arrivals. There's a whistling sound, which I actually just thought was part of the soundtrack until Daniel's like, ha. what's that whistling? <laughs> or why are they whistling? It's all the people whistling creepily. Yes. In just like a single tone. <laughs> it's very creepy, which is why I didn't think it was a thing the people were actually doing. <laughs> we never understand why they do that. Nope. And we don't hear it again, I don't think. No, we do. Oh, Next time they send oh man, I totally missed oh, really? it. I'm the worst. I'm fired. <laughs> All right. Gabe, you're, you do the rest of the episode. I'm going to go drink. <laughs> it's about time I got to do this thing all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been waiting for my chance to make it the Mary show. <laughs> Fine. I'll stay just to spite you. Yeah. Teal draws their the team's attention to something on the ground and we get a closer look. It's a pair of shoes that is steaming because it used to contain a person that was yep. 
standing there when the gate opens. Are there still feet in it, or is it just shoes? That's I, the question that I really want to I know. was wondering. I was assuming the feet were still in there, because Teal mentioned yeah. something about the wounds being cauterized. So oh, that's right. He did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's a pair of feet there, <laughs> which is just awful. Yeah. Daniel wonders why someone might do that, and... Then a guy hiding near the gate pops out and runs up and grabs the feet shoes. <laughs> Sam tries to talk to him, but he is not there for that. So he tries to get away, but Sam keeps following and harassing him, promising not to hurt him. <laughs> but then someone else grabs her from behind. She manages to headbutt him in the face with the back of her head, but that is not enough for him to let go. But then she is saved because someone shouts, I believe, was it Vishnor, I think his name was? Mm-hmm. The big guy. Yeah. Yeah. And so then he drops Sam immediately, and she's ready to fight him, though. Yeah. And this is when that weird whistling finally stops. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't actually until this woman came up and said, and, and spoke up that all the whistling stopped. So everyone's just kind of like, Interesting. hanging out and watching and whistling the whole time <laughs> that the foot theft and attack is happening. It's all very weird. Weird episode. (laughs) A woman who shouted Vishnu's name comes through the crowd to greet SG-1, saying, You have been sent through the great circle and sentenced to life imprisonment for your crimes. I am Linnea. I don't know why I just said that verbatim, but... (laughs) (laughs) Daniel introduces them all. And I want to just make note, because I don't know why he does stuff like this, but he's like, I'm Daniel, this is Jack, Captain Carter, and Teal'c. Why doesn't she get a first yeah. name intro? <laughs> That's bizarre. I hadn't even noticed that, but could go. It's okay, I didn't notice the whistling going on, so... <laughs> yeah, that's fair. She's not even the one that, that has the highest rank, so, like, I could understand even since Jack is in charge and has the highest rank why he'd call Jack by rank, yeah, but... I don't know. That's weird. Maybe I I have no no but I was just I just thought that was a little strange but <laughs> yeah so they they thank her for stopping the attack. Linnea makes a general announcement to everyone in the vicinity that Carter is under her protection is an, and is not to be taken by any man. She particularly makes sure that Vishnur understands and he just kind of grumpily walks away. Sam had said she could fend for herself. She specifically said, it's all right, which I thought was a really weird way to word that. Like, she's saying that no one can attack you, and you're like, nah, it's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Linnea didn't really mean anything by it, except for that she understands what it's like to be a woman in Hedante. And and that was their welcome, basically. She welcomes them and walks away. Yep. (laughs) Daniel tries to talk to her. He's, you know, excuse me, but she keeps going. <laughs> Jack makes sure that Sam is okay, and then he goes into, like, a assess the situation mode. So he's like, what do we have? Or no, yeah. He says, what yeah, do we need? Whole, what do we have? What do we, ha- yeah. what do we have? What do we need thing that he's done before? And Daniel says a DHD would be nice, which was very <laughs> reminiscent of the Torments of Tantalus planet, where yes. he's like... We need a DHD. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's good. I, just, I, yeah. I appreciate the callbacks. <laughs> yep. So basically they need power to dial the gate manually yeah. is their plan. They don't actually have a DHD there. No. So that's not an option, Daniel. So they start moving through the caves. Jack tells Teal, are you okay? I'm fine. I just hit my elbow on my table. <laughs> Aw. Jack tells Teal'c to look scary and take point as they walk o- walk away. <laughs> Did you notice the random creepy guy walking by them in the background when he said that? Just kind of looking at them? <laughs> no, I knew there, I, there were people kind of around them this whole time. Which... There were, but there was just this one person that like walked by the frame in the background behind Jack just staring at them that I thought was kind of funny. They even, as they're trying to leave, Teal gets through and other people block Jack. And Jack's like, <laughs> I'm with him. <laughs> just... Daniel says it seems like they're in Botany Bay. Botany Bay. Botany Bay. Oh, no. Which he explains <laughs> is the original name of Sydney Harbor. Because Australia was colonized as a prison. 
they encounter the foot thief again. He's dragging a body <laughs> this time. <Yeah. laughs> Just a full body. He <laughs> is, and he insists he didn't kill him. But he comes up to them saying, a gift! Yeah. <laughs> like, is he trying to give them the dead guy? I, yeah, it was... I think he gave him something off the dead guy or tried he to. Did. But... He did, but I wasn't sure. It, well, like, I think he wanted to give them the dead guy, and then when they didn't want the dead guy, that's, I think, when he gave them the necklace. But my impression was that he first wanted to give them the dead person. So my question about this yeah. guy, is he eating the dead people? I don't know. Because we... I thought he wanted the shoes probably well, off of the feet. That's what I thought at first, but, but then yeah. he's stealing a whole dead body for some reason. He's just dragging a mm. dead guy around, and I'm like, yeah, he's wearing clothes too, but wouldn't it be easier to just take the clothes off? Take the clothes, yeah. And then Whereas... also, I mean, based on the look of their food and the reactions they had to it later, uh, eating the person might taste better. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he has more nutrition. I don't know. Long pork. <laughs> but, yeah. But anyway, I thought maybe he was uh, he was a little bit of a cannibal, but who knows? Yeah, it's quite possible. <laughs> so not only do they turn down the gift he tries to give them, he tries to be offer to be Teal'c's friend when Teal'c inevitably <laughs> takes over as leader of this prison, which is what he seems to think will happen. And Teal'c declines as well. <laughs> Nobody wants to be this man's friend. <laughs> Understandable. So he drags his body off. <laughs> oh, precious. At this point, the team splits up with Teal'c and Daniel tasked with keeping on exploring. And Sam and Jack are going to go see Linnea because she seems to be a person in charge and knows things. Jack, before they part, takes Daniel's glasses off. Because he doesn't want to show any weakness in prison. Jack and Sam make their way toward Linnea. He assures Sam that Hammond will probably send another SG team after them. Someone approaches Jack asking for help and Jack knocks him down. <laughs> that, that was a little yeah. harsh. But the guy was kind of violent in his request for help. Yeah. And the other dudes run after... Or no, excuse me. Jack knocks him down and then he runs away, I think, and the other dudes keep chasing him. I guess yeah. he's being chased. That's what was going mm -hmm. on. Sam says, what are they going to do with him? And Jack's like, not our problem. Boop, boop, boop. Which, to be fair, I guess is not really their problem. But the Jack went straight into like survival yeah. mode here and is not interested in playing hero to a bunch of prisoners. Back on Earth in the control room. There's an incoming wormhole and a woman comes up to Hammond and says that another team is coming back. And Hammond says, let's hope that they've found SG-1. The gate opens. The team comes in. Leader looks up at Hammond and gives a subtle little shake of his head no. Hmm. That's out of that scene. <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> please, please be my guest. On the planet, Sam and Jack have made their way to Linnea's lair. I guess. That's perfect. It. I was yes. trying to think what to call it. it that's perfect. <laughs> Rather lair-like in a cave. Yeah. Linnea says that sooner or later all newbies come to see her. And she says, you're not from any of the Taldor Island states, are you? And Jack's like, nope, we're from Earth. It's way out there. She says that they must be from a place that she doesn't know then. And asks if they've come there to challenge her. But Jack assures her that they don't. They're just looking for information and hoping that they can escape. Linnea thinks that's pretty funny because the, she's like, well, we're deep underground. Where do you think you're going to go? <laughs> she says that she thinks that the Great Circle took them to an entirely different world than the one that they had all started off on. And that it probably teemed with life at one point, but not so much anymore. So the Taldor decided to turn it into a prison because there was no other use for this planet. Sam confirms then that the gate is the only way in or out, and Linnea confirms that that's true. But she says that a lot of people in the prison here believe that when the gate opens, they can ride the wave back to the other side. But Jack and Sam are like, mm, not so much. Doesn't really work that way. Anything that enters it from the wrong direction is just going to get disintegrated. And then Jack 
points out that there were, in fact, two smoking feet on the ground <laughs> when they came through as evidence of the fact that, yeah, that guy's not really alive anymore if he left yeah. just his smoking feet behind. <laughs> From there, they go on to talking about the fact that, in Linnea's words, there are two ways to control society. Fear and hope, and in this world, fear is constant, so belief that they can escape gives people hope. So she doesn't feel any reason to correct them in their way of thinking that they can maybe escape by by standing in the way of the wormhole when it comes in. So Jack tries to clarify, he's like, out of hope, they're killing themselves? And Linnea says, well, who am I to correct them? (laughs) If If it's making them feel better, then why not? So Jack says, well, what if we have a better way? And so they start to talk about... The, the fact that they might actually be able to dial the gate out if they get enough power, but that Linnea would need to help them in attaining that power. So Linnea says, well, then I guess we both have something that the other wants because SG-1 can help her escape and she can help by them escape by giving her, them the power that she's looking for. Win-win. Indeed. It's fine. In the SGC, we see a table full of weapons and gear. SG-3 had gone looking for SG-1, and they were just handed SG-1's weapons and whatnot with no explanation as to what was going on, except for that SG-1 had committed a crime, and it wasn't any of their concern what that crime was. (laughs) Then they were sent straight back to the Stargate. Hammond says they did right, just coming home rather than doing more, which was sort of like what SG3 wanted to do. Yeah. And Hammond says that this has become a diplomatic problem requiring SG9, which it sounds like is SG9 their diplomacy team? I guess. I guess so. I guess that's good they have one of those. Yeah. I didn't even hear him say that it was required SG-9, but I know that SG-9 came in later. I did hear him say that it was a diplomatic issue. I didn't. I missed the part about SG-9. It was weird, too, because the closed captioning didn't register that, but I'm like, I clearly hear him saying SG-9. Oh, weird. <laughs> At least the Netflix closed captioning. Fun fact, my DVD for season two doesn't have even the Spanish subtitles this time. I don't know why. <laughs> They're all in the same box the entire series, but hey. Weird. Cool. Yeah, I was watching it with the subtitles on. I turned the subtitles on at one point. I don't remember when it was, though. It might have actually... No, it was here, because I was having trouble figuring out what he said, and I still missed the part about SG-9, yeah. so yeah. Well, the, sub- anyway. the subtitles didn't pick it up on Netflix they either, didn't. so... Yeah. That's what I was watching it on, was Netflix with the subtitles on. Yeah. Back in Linnea's lair, she says that the best way to get knowledge is to give it, so she shows them what she calls her activators, which is... Kind of a, a funky looking liquid that she adds to a fuzzy looking root <laughs> and gives them an explanation, kind of a, a jargony explanation that is full of terminology from like the local spiritual and scientific beliefs. Sam translates that for Jack, saying that what she's describing is actually cold fusion and that on Earth it would completely be able to eliminate pollution while providing all of the power that we could possibly need. Jack's like, yeah, whatever, that's great, but uh, how can we get, use it to activate the gate? Sam's like, yeah, it might actually work for that. So Linnea's like, activate the circle from this side? I, but they had already kind of implied that before, so I don't know why she's <laughs> I don't surprised <laughs> about that here. But she points out that there are billions of possible permutations if you were to just dial the gate at random. And Jack's like, yeah, but Sam's got a system for that, so that's not, that's not a problem. <laughs> And Jack says that if Linnea just gives them the power that they need, that they will take her with them. Let's make a deal, guys. (laughs) Still in the caves, but elsewhere, Teal'c is strangling a dude, warning (laughs) him that if he messes with SG-1 again, Teal'c will run out of patience. (laughs) My patience will explode. (laughs) Teal'c lets him go as Jack and Sam join them. Oh, Teal'c. Making friends, are you? Teal'c has found nothing of use, he says. Daniel thinks he, that this 
is the ruins of an alien gate terminal predating human and civilization, maybe 15,000 years old, with no explanation about how or why he thinks that. I was also wondering <laughs> that. I was like, oh, carbon dating, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he also mentions that this is not really of any use to them at the moment. So Right. Jack and Sam report they've found a possible power source. And Daniel's like, she's just going to give it to us. And Jack says, if we take her with us. And Daniel says, can we do that? What's she in here for? (laughs) Valid question. Yes. But then Sam also points out validly, what are we in here for? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Jaywalking, says O'Neill. Teal'c says that Linnea seems to have earned the respect of the prisoners. And Daniel thinks that they're afraid of her. They're not respecting her. And Jack's like, you've never been in prison. And Dan's like, Dan. <laughs> Me and my pal Dan. <laughs> Jack says to Daniel, you've never been in prison. And Daniel's like, and you have. And Jack's like, mm, yeah, actually, though. <laughs> Did we know that? I know I we've, think we... we've gotten other background bits of his, but. Yeah, it sounds like he's had some kind of like rough dealings in the past. So I'm yeah. pretty sure he was a POW at some point. And I can't remember if he mentioned that in passing before or not. Yeah, I can't remember. I think he might have, but I don't remember for sure. Yeah, the only thing I could remember was when he was recounting how his love for Sarah got him through the desert that one time. Yeah. But there might have been other things. We've watched quite a few episodes. <laughs> true and i've seen it before and might be remembering other things yes i might yeah same here i might be remembering from some other part of the storyline that we haven't even gotten to yet jack says that a place like this has its own set of rules that don't have to make sense and that linnea's done what she's had to to survive just like they're doing (laughs) kathy and i just noticed your name (laughs) (laughs) well i wasn't sure if it was gonna work so i was like let's just throw that out there if it works woo Sam says they've got to work out how to power an alien device with another alien device. Before she had sounded pretty certain that she could get it to yeah. work, and now she's going back. I feel like I feel like some of their scripting is still weird because, yeah, like yeah. a couple things were repetitive again, and then she's like, "Yeah, I think this can work." And now in this separate scene, she's like, "Wait, you want me to do what?" Yeah, <laughs> the thing that you just said you yeah. could do. <laughs> So she's, she's going to, you know, they're going to do work on that, but they have other problems too. And Teal points out they don't have a way of getting the iris open on Earth if they can dial out. So Jack has, tells Daniel to start thinking of a terminal. Uh, uh, <laughs> Jack tells Daniel to start coming up with alternative gate addresses that they can go to. Then the gate starts dialing. And everyone, not just SG-1, but everyone gathers at the gate. And Vishnu tells SG-1 that they eat last. Vishnor, thank you. Sorry. (laughs) Vishnor tells us. Vishnu being the Hindu god. (laughs) Vishnu could be there too. You don't know. It's true. (laughs) As everyone gathers with huge troughs and small bowls, Vishnor tells SG-1 that they eat last. So I guess it's dinner time. Yeah. Dinner time! (laughs) It's dinner time! The gate opens in a very gross, maybe pureed oatmeal-looking goop liquid comes through in a stream. It looked so obscene. (laughs) It was so gross. It really just looks like a giant stream of jizz coming through. It's disgusting. catch it all in their vats <laughs> Vishnor keeps everyone under control and then Linnea comes out and she is served first by Vishnor she leaves and then Vishnor gets himself some food and then it's a free for all so it really like it's not a system so much as we're the more powerful ones we get food first and everyone else is on their own SG watches as the people grab and go eat their goo <laughs> The weirdo with the bodies ushers them over after everyone's left and offers them some slop. (laughs) Jack takes a bowl. He smells it and is not impressed. Sticks a couple fingers in and tastes it. They're not happy. They all, Sam takes some and tastes it. Doesn't look good. Nobody wants to eat that. And then I was thinking about the, (laughs) 
You see, it's got uh, raisins in it. You like raisins. Thank you! Yes! Oh my god, I even put a link to that clip in my notes because I was like, we need to put that in. I was thinking that too. I have it written in my notes. Yes! (laughs) In parentheses, it has raisins in it. You like raisins. Glad we're on the same page. Yeah. I wanted to see it walk off the out of the bowl. Like, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so gross. It, it looked like the same gelatinous consistency, though. It was close. Stuff. I think it was a, the stuff in Better Up Dead was a little more viscous. Like it and green. Yes, and green. <laughs> this wasn't green. All her food was green. It's <laughs> true. How do you make bacon green? <laughs> I believe. <laughs> Back on Earth, a guy is explaining to Hammond that SG-1 apparently did commit a crime. I think this is actually the the guy who's le- leading up uh, SG-9. I, I think so, think yeah. I caught his name. I actually think I just called him SG-9 in my notes. <laughs> ah, fair yeah. enough. Hammond says that it sounds like a mistake, because how could SG-1 have committed a crime? But the guy says that on our world, unknowingly abetting a criminal isn't really punishable the way that it apparently is on Taldor, but the Taldor believe in zero tolerance, and life in prison is the punishment for pretty much any crime that's committed. So as a result, they have a very peaceful society. Yeah. And Hammond's like, well, that doesn't sound like justice to me. And so... You know, in the past, we've seen that he's like, well, laws are laws on other planets. But, you know, all of a sudden that doesn't apply here. He doesn't think. No. Because, you know, before it was only Teal'c that was in trouble, but now it's all of SG-1 yeah. that's in trouble. So he's going to pick and choose when he wants to follow the legal system and other societies. <laughs> the SG-9 guy is like, well, perhaps not, but they don't have any crime to speak of there. The leader guy of SG-3 is also there for this conversation and says that they're ready to go in. But the SG-9 guy says that force really isn't the answer here because those people are way more advanced and using force would just make an enemy of them, needlessly. And the SG-3 guy is like, well, they've already made an enemy. And SG-9 guy does not agree with that because he says that they're actually open to relationships with Earth despite the fact that we didn't make a very good first impression (laughs) on them. And he makes a big deal of the fact that next time they might even show their faces if someone from Earth visits. Oh my goodness. Yeah. SG3 guy continues to try to argue and is still trying to convince Hammond to let them go back. But because it's not Jack, Hammond doesn't instantly give in. (laughs) And he tells the SG3 guy that they're scheduled for another mission for the next morning. And so they are supposed to just stick with that plan. And... Oh, Kobachek was the SG-9 guy. Oh, yeah. I do have his name here. Yeah. So Hammond tells Major Kobachek, who is the SG-9 guy, to return to the planet and let the Taldor know that Earth means business. But then he says, better yet, I'll tell them. And that just seemed like a bad idea to me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the problem of, like... All TV shows where the commanding officer just wanders off of whatever they're commanding to go do a thing when they shouldn't be. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So Major Kobachek leaves and him is just left standing there on his own and he looks out the window at the gate (laughs) as they fade out of the scene. Back in Linnea's lair, she's playing with her potions or whatever. (laughs) Sam goes comes in to see her. Linnea explains she's treating the food before eating it so that it is of better quality than what comes straight out of the Stargate. I thought it was also better quality because she didn't get the dregs from the bottom, but she got the first serving from the top. That would probably make sense. So yeah. she's done whatever she can to make it better. So now it's doubly good yeah. because it is both treated and also off the top. Yeah. Sam is there to get the deets on Linnea's crimes. <laughs> Linnea explains she caused the death of thousands of people. She said there was a plague and she tried to help, but in helping, she actually accelerated the effects of the plague rather than making them better, which caused many, many people to die. The people of the planet blamed her for this extra death. 
And Sam says she didn't deserve this. And Linnea says, don't think I'm innocent, which Sam takes to mean that you take responsibility for your actions. And Linnea agrees with that. She also tells Sam she's accepting their offer to go with SG-1 and says she really doesn't have a choice because the team has upset the balance of power in Hadante and that Vishnor will soon challenge her friends. And then she said if they fail to defeat Vishnor, they will not live to try again. So Sam goes to relay this information to the team. Back on Earth in a random hallway on the base, Kopachek and Hammond are both dressed in fatigues and they're walking as the gate alarm is sounding in the background. Kobachek tells Hammond that they need to hurry because tardiness will be viewed as problematic behavior by the Taldor. And he tells Hammond that when they get through, they'll be sent right to the Talal, which is apparently their speaking area, which is what we actually saw before with all the bright light. And he says the Taldor may or may not show their faces this time, even though he just said last time that he thinks they'll show their faces this time. And Hammond asks why that would be the case. And Koba checks, well, they're xenophobic and arrogant and narrow-minded and self-centered. And <laughs> Hammond's like, yeah, I get it. Okay, fine. And Koba checks says, but they do want diplomatic contact, even though we've, again, already talked about all this stuff before. Yeah. Overhead, a voice says that the special envoy may embark when ready. Oh. And they go up the ramp and Hammond hesitates. And Kubitschek tries to give him a couple pointers of, like, exhaling as you step through and blah, blah, blah. But Hammond's like, yeah, it's fine. I'll figure it out myself. And then Hammond, again, continuing to kind of procrastinate, is like, are you sure they dialed the right address? And Kubitschek assures them that he did. And then Hammond's like, the things I do for these people. <laughs> like, <laughs> seriously? These people that you are in command of go through the gate on a regular basis, sometimes multiple times a day, and he has to go through it once, and he's like, ugh, the things I do for these people. When I have to do the thing that I make them do all the time. Except he doesn't actually even have to do it, but hey. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, this is for sure one of those examples of a leader asking his people to do a thing that he himself is not really that willing to do, and that's not good leadership, Hammond. But he does go through, so... But they do go through. <laughs> he gets over it, kind of. He does. Yeah. It only took over a year Yeah, <laughs> for him to suck it up and go through the gate. Yeah. Back in the prison, Daniel is sitting on the ground trying to figure out where they can go. So he's drawing on the ground listing out things and probably doing calculations or whatever they have to do to figure out how to get places. He mentions that Samaria and Chulak are out for reasons. Yeah, I was wondering, I mean, like, Chulak makes sense, but I didn't really understand why they wouldn't be able to go to Samaria. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe the Samarians are angry at them for destroying Thor's hammer, which would make sense, but that wasn't the impression we got when they left, though. Yeah. Sam comes up and tells them that Linnea has taken the deal. And Daniel also says that P3A-707 might work, but they might be there a while. Then the gate starts dialing again. Gate dials a lot. <laughs> the team head to the gate to watch, and there's a group of men standing where there are going to be disembodied feet if they keep standing there. <laughs> so Daniel jumps in front of them and tries to reason with them, and he's pushed out of the way by one of the men and they all die as they the do. gate opens, except for Daniel, yep. who was saved by the man Daniel was trying to save. Yeah. Their feet weren't even left behind this time. Yeah. I was specifically looking to see if there was a pile of feet after, and there was not. Maybe it depends on which, like, stair they're on or how close they yeah, are. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. A man is hurled through, so there's a new prisoner in town. Mm-hmm. And then the whistling started again. And he's. It looks like he's kind of looking around. Vishnor says to Daniel, how dare you interfere with the men who just killed themselves? And Daniel's like, I'm trying to save, I was trying to save them and now they're dead. Linnea arrives to tell Vishnor to leave Daniel alone, but Vishnor says that Daniel has challenged him and he accepts that challenge. 
Daniel asks Linnea, how can you let this happen? And Linnea says the rules are the rules. Even I have to follow them. <laughs> then Vishnor grabs Daniel. And some other men also grab Jack. Sam asks Linnea, please tell them to stop this. And then Teal'c casually comes strolling in finally. And Sam yells to him as she is trying to fight to reach Jack and Daniel. Vishnor is choking Daniel. And then Linnea in the back subtly opens up her palm and she's got some kind of bling that doesn't quite sparkle. It lights up, but yeah. you don't see it, you know. And that that takes down Vishnor. Teal'c frees Jack and Sam reaches to Daniel and checks and says she, he is a very al- <laughs> He is very alive. No. <laughs> the opposite yes. of that, in fact. <laughs> Sam checks on Daniel <laughs> and reports that he is barely alive. Well, it just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Mostly dead is slightly alive. Which is yeah. better than Vishnor, who looks real dead. Yeah. yeah. Next scene is in what I think is the, the Talal. So that's the, the room that's all completely dark, except for the light beam coming from overhead. And there's a voice. Disembodied voice still. So I guess they decided not to show their faces. <laughs> telling Kobachek and Hammond that they are most punctual. Kobachek says, thank you. <laughs> Hammond tries to explain to them that he is the one responsible for SG-1, but Kobachek is like, you don't really want to be telling them that because then they're actually going to hold you responsible if you're telling them you're responsible. And Hammond's like, yeah, I get it. And I will hold myself responsible and they can hold me responsible. Yeah, that's what responsible means. (laughs) He says he ordered them there. So, you know, you got to give him props for being willing to take on their punishment. The overhead voice asks if that is an admission of guilt and Kobachek's like no but Hammond says yes <laughs> it is and Hammond actually then continues on that if they will let him take the place of SG-1 but the voice cuts him off and says you ordered them to assist a murder and Hammond's like well no and so the voices from overhead say well then you're not guilty not guilty assumption of guilt by proxy is rejected womp womp Yep. So it was a good, valiant effort, Hammond. He says, if my people are not relieved, then we're going to consider this a hostile act. And he's saying that the peaceful relations will be over. But the voices say that their laws are immutable. They can't be argued. And Hammond tries to argue that those laws are not fair. And Kubitschek tries to warn him that he is really not going about this in the best way because he's probably going to end up starting a diplomatic issue himself if he continues to argue with the voices. But Hammond stands his ground and asks the Taldor what it's going to be. And they tell him that they're not going to let SG-1 go. And Hammond is super pissed at that. Yes. Yep. Yep. I would be. Yeah. Probably. I don't know. Maybe I would be the Hammond that respects the laws of the planets they go to. I don't know. Yeah. Depends on the day. And then the lights go out. And I wasn't sure if it was just the lights going out or if it was just the scene transition. But that's pretty much the end of that scene. It just suddenly goes dark. Yeah. Not sure on that, but yeah. Yeah. I always turn the lights out when people are still in the room. It's very nice. Mm -hmm. Especially when I'm mad at them. We're back in Linnea's lair, and she's done some doctoring of Daniel. (laughs) I don't know why I can't think of real words today, but that's what I'm going with. Yeah. (laughs) Sam asks what happened there, and Linnea says that Daniel prevailed, but they kind of don't believe that Daniel won that fight, because he totally didn't. Yeah, I don't really get that logic. I guess, well, the other guy's dead, though, so I guess that yeah. makes him the winner by default. True. <laughs> <laughs> They've brought with them the prisoner who had just come through the gate to Linnea's place. He's blind and says that he was starving and stole food, so now he's in jail for life. That sucks. Yep. Linnea examines him and is able to cure his blindness with some random drops she has. 
Heart drops do all kinds of magical They're things. They're pretty magic. It's also what she was treating Daniel with. Yes. He can almost instantly see, and he looks at Linnea and freaks out and runs <laughs> out of the room. Tio's like, he doesn't seem grateful. Uh, <laughs> Daniel is up then, though, and does not remember getting the upper hand in this fight. Sam's like, but you must have. <laughs> Then Daniel blurts out P2A509, which is a planet that he realized that SG3 was scheduled to be on a mission to so they can use the coordinates to that planet and ask SG3 to give him a lift home. This came to him while he was suffocating, he says. When I get all my best ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they've got a destination so it's time for a plan which is to dial the gate after the next food dump while everyone's busy eating their slime back at the cave gate the ramp is being carried up and the quote unquote food comes in <laughs> the gate closes Daniel asks what they're waiting for, and Tilk says that since they believe that he killed Vishnor, they're all waiting for him now, because he's kind of the one that's in charge. And Linnea confirms that he needs to be the one that's going to be distributing all the food, so he goes up with Linnea and fills her bowl first. And then all the others try to rush and move in, but he tells them they have to wait, and SG-1 is going to go before them. And so they go up and take their food before he lets the others eat. Which I thought was, like, why even bother? You're all about to leave anyway, so why bother making this show? What, if, what if it didn't work, though? First? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also that. What if it didn't work? It just seems like an odd gamble to be taking for no apparent reason. Because yeah. while everyone's eating, they're they're leaving anyway. Yeah. I don't know. So anyway, after everybody gets their food, they leave the gate area. And SG-1 and Linnea connect a bunch of vines to the gate and Simeon, who's the, the guy that was blind and is no longer blind, is watching them from a distance. Linnea adds some of her magic drops to the vine and it starts to glow. And SG-1 is then able to dial out and the gate actually opens. Woo! SG-1 and Linnea go through. Some random prisoner calls escape. I think that was dead body man. <laughs> okay, I didn't notice that. <laughs> Simeon also runs and manages to get through. And a bunch of others try to run at the gate as well, but it closes before any of them are able to get there. And they look very sad. Womp womp. It's very sad for them. Yeah. They're living in hell. <laughs> it does not seem like a pleasant place to no. live. So yes, I would also be sad. <laughs> the next thing we see is... SG-1 coming through the gate into the SGC. Woo! They made it home. Hammond is there to greet them. How did they do the prison break, you know? They didn't have any remote transmitters to get home. He's been trying to negotiate their release. And Daniel says they gated to where SG-3 was and were able to return using SG-3's remote thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, is there a... I don't know. Transmitter. Yeah. Transmitter. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jack introduces Linnea to Hammond. And Sam tells him that they wouldn't have made it without her. And so Hammond says to Linnea, we owe you a debt and welcome to the SGC. Linnea is looking around and says, I've never seen such a place. It seems alien. And Tilk says it was like that for me too, but now it's home. Sam requests that Linnea have quarters at the base and says that we can learn a lot from her. And as she starts to kind of go into some explanation, Hammond's like, well, we'll get to that. But right now, go to the infirmary, get some rest, then we'll talk. Jack thanks Linnea and they go do their thing. So after that, we are in the infirmary. Sam and Linnea are talking and Linnea says that they have some kind of device that you can store data in that Sam had been mentioning before. And so Sam shows her a computer and Linnea asks questions about what it can do and if it can represent these things called the basics that are 
the Earth equivalent of molecules and atoms. And Sam tells her, yes, it can represent them. So Linnea says that she can show them the what is essentially the chemical formula of her activators and asks if, if she gives Sam that information, if they can then fabricate it. And Sam gives her a little smile to confirm that, yes, that is a thing. If we have the chemical formula for her basics, then they can be made. Woo! In the conference room, Jack is sharing their exploits on Hadante with Hammond. When the blind man is escorted in, he'd been lurking around SG-3's base, and they captured him. Or, I guess he's not blind anymore. The formerly blind man. Yeah, formerly blind it? guy. What was Simeon. his name? Simeon. Sorry. Thank you. That's better. <laughs> <laughs> Simeon tells them that he says the first thing he saw when he got his sight back was the destroyer of worlds. That doesn't sound good. No. <laughs> and then he claims that Linnea created the sickness that plagued his people. Jack says Linnea told Sam that there was a plague, but that Linnea had actually tried to help. And Sam is like, no, she started it. Yep. Yep. Not great. No. Not a good look. Back in the infirmary, apparently scribbling down just a few branching lines is actually enough for the computer (laughs) to understand the exact molecular structure that Linnea is trying to convey. And so we see an image of a molecule of some sort. And... Linnea asks Sam, this gate system spans thousands of worlds, and and Sam nods and tells Linnea that we've visited quite a number so far, and that it could even go to to more than thousands of worlds. A random person that happens to be there with them says that most worlds seem capable of sustaining human life, and Linnea asks where all of this information is kept on all of these different worlds that the gate system connects to. And Sam's like, that's also in the computer. I'm going to show you random person that I'm going to trust implicitly now. <laughs> so Linnea's like, cool. <laughs> Thanks for that. And she raises her sparkle bling. And uh-oh, Sam yeah. is not looking too happy when she realizes that Linnea has a sparkle bling. <laughs> They're way too trusting of random strangers really on their are. base. This is the trend that we keep yeah. seeing over and over again of them being too trusting of people they don't know. It's great that she helped them, but they literally don't know anything about her. <laughs> right. Just... <laughs> yes, just because she helped you escape because it was mutually beneficial doesn't mean that you can continue to trust her indefinitely in yeah. all scenarios. Yeah. With your knowledge that is on these computers important yeah. knowledge on these computers Ugh. back in the conference room Simeon is still describing how she created this sickness but made herself immune to it he explains that their island states were at war and half the people died and she promised to save the rest but by then it had spread everywhere so she destroyed half a world before they were able to catch up with her and throw her in prison. Back in the infirmary, or wherever it was that that computer was that they were using before, there's a whole bunch of bodies on the floor. And Linnea is looking at the screen, reviewing the addresses of a whole bunch of other worlds. Ooh. Yeah. Out in the hall, Hammond, Jack, and others are walking and looking very serious. An alarm is going off in the background. They run to the control room and Hammond asks what's happening. A random person says that an unauthorized gate activation is happening and Hammond tells her to abort. And then he also tells a security team to go down to the gate room. Daniel asks where Linnea is and the random person says that when they all came to, she was already gone. And Hammond's like, you were unconscious? And she says, well, yeah, but only for a few minutes. Oops. <laughs> Oops, indeed. Another random person says that the abort code to close the gate isn't working. The blast shield randomly starts going up on its own for no apparent reason, and Linnea is on the ramp. The gate is open, and then the self destruct alarm starts counting down from 30 seconds. <laughs> Jack tries to abort that self destruct, but the system won't let him. And Hammond is trying to get them to close the iris, but nothing that they are trying works. The self-destruct counts down to 20 seconds. Hammond says that uh, if nothing's going to work, then they just need to shut the entire system down. 
Linnea's still just kind of chilling on the ramp at this point. Why she hasn't already gone through, I don't know. She likes to, you know, enjoy her. She likes to look at the chaos before she leaves, right? Sam says that they can't shut the system down and that apparently Linnea got in the computer and took all of the coordinates that they had for all of the planets that they had figured out so far. (laughs) Can't imagine how that happened. I know. (laughs) Countdown to 10 seconds. And then it counts down one number at a time until zero. Everybody's freaking out. But then nothing happens. So at this point, Linnea has gone and the gate closed. Jack tries to redial those coordinates, but the lights go out and the technician says that the whole system just crashed. And on Sam's screen, how how Sam's screen is working when all the power is off and all the other computers are off, I don't know. But on Sam's screen, a message pops up that says... Thank you for your kindness. All debts have now been paid. And everyone looks around at each other. Very unhappy. Yeah. And Sam's like, yeah, we we got her out of there. And Daniel's like, yeah, we sure did. The destroyer of worlds. And that's it. That's the end of the episode. It seems like that might come back to haunt them. <laughs> Hope that doesn't come back to haunt me. <gasps> So, Kathy, did you like the episode? Mary, I'm not sure I liked the episode. <laughs> That's fair. Which I waffle all the time on things. Yeah. But I, I'm i not sure I enjoyed it. I guess it was fine. I don't know if I enjoyed the prison aspect very much. I also didn't like that. Yeah. There's this... It's not their problem, but there's this whole world out there where they just dump people in prison for dumbass things. <laughs> And that's not cool. True. I also, they, they made a deal with a woman and then, like, opened up and told her all these things without knowing anything about her, which bit them in the ass and seems like maybe left open to bite them in the ass again. Yes. Did you like it? I did, actually. I didn't really have any, you know, not anything too big of an issue with it. I found it to be enjoyable. 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 It definitely feels like we're going to be seeing more of Linnea at some point in the future, so setting up some story there. But yeah, overall, I thought it was a decent episode. Yeah. Myself, I don't know, parts of it entertained me, not necessarily when because they were supposed to be entertaining, but just because I <laughs> thought that they were dumb. <laughs> yeah. Or Or weird, you know, like the guy looking so pleased that he's found this dead body yeah. that he's carrying. I did enjoy cannibal feet man and and he looked so excited carrying around those feet yeah so yeah like weird weird stuff like that just entertained me i enjoyed it more talking to you about it than i enjoyed watching that's fair so (laughs) yeah that's fair i don't have a whole lot to say about this one yeah Yeah. that's the other thing i'm like yeah it was an episode it's there yeah entertaining but not a whole lot to say about it yeah what are we watching next? Let's see what Netflix has to say about the next episode. We will be watching SG-1 Season 2, Episode 4, The Gamekeeper. The team discovers a dome full of chambers, each containing an unconscious person. As the team investigates, they're trapped and knocked unconscious. Should we take bets on whether that's the first scene? <laughs> I have no recollection of this episode at all. I'm not sure. Let's see what the booklet says, just because yeah. I got that too. Like to have our options, keep them open. Yeah, that's fair. Let's see. But in this version of Descri- <laughs> the next episode is SG One Season Two Episode Four: The Gamekeeper. Exploring a strange and beautiful garden in a distant world, the team members are trapped, knocked unconscious, and forced to relive their most haunting memories. Now, before they can attempt to find their way home, they must find their way back to reality! Exclamation point. Because it was... I think I do actually vaguely remember that episode, but... Yeah. A whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. As always, thank you for listening. 
If you haven't already subscribed to us, please do so on your podcatcher of choice. We're on just about all of them. Reviews and likes are very much appreciated since they help other people to find the podcast. You can find us on YouTube as well. And if you want to check in with us in between episodes, we are on Twitter at StargateSync. You can email us stargatesync at gmail.com. You can check out our website at stargatesync.space. If you're feeling generous, you can also head over to patreon.com slash stargatesync and sign up to be one of our supporters. And over there, you'll get early access to episodes as well as some bonus content that is not available to non-subscribers. I am Mary. I am Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargatesync. The end. The end. It is dumb. Technology is dumb. It is. It's great when it works, but it frequently doesn't work. Yeah. So screw the internet and screw these microphones and the fucking computers we're doing this damn podcast on. Yeah. Yeah. All all that. All that technology. Fuck off. Everything is the the worst and I hate it. (laughs) Everything is the worst. So you know what? It's time to drink. Yes. (laughs) I approve. Yeah. Everything is the worst.